ברוכים הבאים בשם השם ורחנוכם מבייס השם Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear As we said last week that since Purim is next Wednesday it is likely that we won't be able to give a shear on Purim itself as we have our Purim gathering all are invited to come join us here um, this Shabbos is Pasha Zohar The, hafter, the maftir is read from Pashas Kiseitse. Unlike the Kriya on Purim, which will be read from Pashas Bishalach. Both deal with the grave sin of Amalek. And therefore, as we will discuss, reminding us of how Amalek needs to be eradicated. Shabbos itself is Pashas Tetzaveh, Biata Tetzaveh, as we all know, the last Maimer. We heard from the Rebbe, the Maimah V'at Tzave, the legacy which we live by. Pash Tzave, the Shir as we know of course is the Schus, Eliza Shlamas Bracha, Vatsrachal Hindish, Havrafua Shalema. Someone also sent now a woman that's having a, a surgery tomorrow, Michal Tzivya Bas Rachel, and of course we also know that Chavit Tzivya Basara. We should all have a full Shalema Kireva. Pashtitzav, as we know, is the only Pasha since the birth of Meish Rabbeinu that Meish Rabbeinu's name is omitted throughout the parsha. we don't hear the mention of Meish Rabbeinu's name once Adama goes before Shahakal okay Pashtitzavah therefore Is a punishment to Meish Rabbeinu for a later conversation, but since Ein Muktu Mukhabatera, something that is brought down later in the Tera, which Meish Rabbeinu says, Mechainina If you want to destroy the Jewish nation, eradicate, wipe out my name from your Tera. And if you wipe out your na- my name from your Tera, either that or forgive the Jews. Whoa. 
quite a picture. And therefore, since Meshur Abinu, that's quite a picture you have there, sir. On your uh, thing for the Skype. You don't even know what you have there. You have the world, you have the earth. A bird's eye view, okay. That's my house that you have pointed out in the middle there? Okay, good. <laughs> Pasha Tzava, therefore, is the first Pasha, the only Pasha, which Meshach Rabbeinu's name is totally omitted. And the Almighty says to Meshach that I do not take lightly words of a tzaddik, and when you tell me, I should erase you from the Teda, I will erase you only in this one parsha. Although Meshach Rabbeinu's prayers were answered and the Jews were not destroyed, but since Meshach Rabbeinu had said what he said, therefore Hashem said, one parsha I will take you out of. To note, going back to what we've been discussing in the last few parshas, is the concept of Das Teda. Das Teda, the opinion of Teda, the decision of Teda, a psak din from Rabbonim, is something not to be taken lightly, and something one needs to live by. So to hear, as Meshe Rabbeinu said, the Almighty said, you are paskening this such, this is a psak of your beha- on your behalf, and therefore I will do so. <coughs> Tonight is Zion Odr, the birth of Meshe Rabbeinu, and also the yard site of Meshe Rabbeinu. Today, Obviously, if tonight is Zion other, today was Vav other. Vav other, the yard site of Rav Shema Yohu, Ben Rav Menachem Mendel, Chasna Devenesia, the Rebbe's brother-in-law, the Friedrich Rebbe's son-in-law, Rabbi Shema Yohu Gerari, Samarius Gerari, He was dean of the yeshiva. He ran our yeshiva. He was the total burden. He carried the entire burden of the yeshiva. The teachers used to go fight with him for a raise. Or paychecks. Rabbi Gerari was relentless. He gave and he gave to Yeshiva and he did. He gave him his own money. The famous stories that I've told about Rabbi Gerari when the Yeshiva moved to Ocean Parkway, his office moved to Ocean Parkway as well. And his office was on the main floor in the lobby. There was an adjoining door between his office and the yeshiva library. The Bachram's library, where we learned, where we had a svarim. 
you needed a reference, you needed to look up something. Oh, I don't believe what you just did. You needed to look up something. What are you doing there for? So all the reference books were in the library. Now, obviously, you should only find Bachram in the library when they need a reference book. You're learning something as a given subject, and you needed to look up something about that subject. You went to look. The library was also a very resourceful room, in that you were out of my out of the eyes of the uh, authorities. So you were out of the watch of the authorities. You were able to sit there and sometimes, what today they would call chill or hang out. And you would sometimes find Bakrim in the library sitting with their feet up on the table. Smoking a cigarette. It's just quite a colorful sight sometimes in that library. The Svarim were quite... resourceful. There were many, many, many Svarim in the library actually on all different subjects, so it was actually a very well put together library. And Rashag, Rabbi Gerari, would go home, he'd work from 10 to 5. So at 5.15 he would leave Yeshiva. He wasn't a young man even. And he would open the adjoining door, there was a bolt, a deadbolt in the door, obviously to keep everybody out of his office. And you'd be sitting, if you were sitting in the library at that hour, when he was going home, you'd hear the deadbolt open up. In the later years, he came walking in with a stick, I remember. His cane, his walking cane. And he would ask in Yiddish, who's responsible here? Who's responsible? And obviously nobody wanted an answer. <laughs> Nobody's picking their hand up for that. And he'd ask and ask. He was relentless. He would not not stop until he was told. Until somebody professed, <coughs> professed to being responsible. Finally, obviously, the only way to get this old man out of the library... Well, somebody had to say, okay, I am responsible. And he would give the same exact speech. Remember, turn off the lights, make sure the windows are closed. When you leave, make sure you lock the door. Which would be enough to hear, but then he would turn around and he would say to you with his finger, he waved his finger at you and say, Remember, I have your number. He called thy number. Personally, my own personal day, Rabbi Gerari would get Shlishi every Shabbos. The Rebbe would be called up for Maftir. Rabbi Gerari, the other brother-in-law of the, the brother-in-law of the Rebbe and the son-in-law of the Fidik Rebbe as well, would be called up for Shlishi every week. 
The Ebishta helped me, and I was able to, I became a chassan, I was going to get married. And the custom is the Shabbos before the wedding, to be called up to the Torah. And obviously this is something we aspire all our lives, to be called up to the Torah by the Rebbe's minion. However, there's only eight aliyahs in the Babaji, you don't make Hesafas, we don't add aliyahs. So there's only eight aliyahs, one is Maftir is the Rebbe, and one is Shlishi is Radashakts. So you're down to six aliyahs. And there were thirteen Chsanim. How do you put six into thirteen? It don't work. Thirteen into six doesn't work. So what happens was, there was a girdle, there was a raffle. And they would draw lots, and you were told what aliyah you got. There were two hats. One hat had names, one hat had aliyahs. And the first six names that came out, obviously had to be a kain or a levi. If there was no kain or a levi, there's down to four aliyahs, mind you. Um... So the lots were being drawn on Friday. Until then, you plot. So on Tuesday, I went into the Rashag in his office. We had our own connection, our personal private connection of the family. My grandmother, Shalom, told stories of how she worked hand in hand with Rabbi Garari. And um, I went into Rabbi Garari. And I told him I'm getting married next week. He said, Mazel tov, where? I guess he wanted to be Masada Kedushin. I told him in London. Ah. He says, ah. In other words, he's not flying to London. I said, I have a problem. There's 13 Chsanim. And there's not enough Aliyahs for everybody. And I don't know what's going to be. And I want to get an Aliyah by the Rebbe. Usually, someone that had the audacity to have this conversation with Rabbi Garari, your chutzpah that you were presenting was that you want his aliyah. You want him to give you a hishlishi. So Rabbi Garari smiled and told me, Du willst nicht mein shlishi. You don't want my shlishi. You want shvi. Because since the Rebbe gets maftir, if you get Shvi, you get to stand next to the Rebbe. What? You want Shvi. You're going to get Shvi. If you don't get, come back to me. We'll talk about my Shlishi. Well, my friends, I will tell you that Rashag was no simple person. And yes, I got Shvi. <laughs> Yes, I merited to stand next to the Rebbe. Rabbi Garari was a trooper. A trooper, and besides being a trooper, he was a true chassid. Now, it's interesting, I had a conversation this week with somebody. But another such true chassid, Rabbi Mentlik, the Rosh Hashiva. Rabbi Marachai Mentegel of Shalom 
was the epitome of a real chassid. And I met the once asked the Rebbe, once when he came to the Rebbe, I don't remember why the Rebbe asked him, what is it that I can bench you with? And mind you, he had no children. And he asked the bracha from the Rebbe that he should always be able to stand by Fabregen. Mm-hmm. When the Rebbe is considered gathering, he should never have to sit. He should always be able to stand throughout the Fabregen. Quite a powerful request. The Rashag, Rabbi Gerari, was the Rebbe's brother-in-law. Speaking of brothers-in-law, I'd like to reach out since it's, it'll be before, after next week's year, before next week's year, and uh, there won't be a year probably next week being Purim, uh, but anyone comes here, I can promise them a, at least this year. So I'd like to read, call out to my brother-in-law in Germany, in Frankfurt, Germany, Rabbi Shnezalman Halevi Gerevich, will be turning Mechem 50 years old next week. Big milestone. I remember it well. When I reached 50. First time or second time. By the way, I, I was just for the record, for those that interject, I, um, I got a surprise this afternoon. The thing called Google Plus. It's the to Skype. It's similar to Skype. And um, someone someone uh, reached out to me to become a friend, request, a friend request on my Google Plus. His name was Shmuel K. I don't know who it is. Shmuel and the initial K. So I accepted it. I don't know why. I just accepted it. Shmuel then wrote to me that he was listening to a shir of mine that I gave to chesanim, to grooms before they got married, in Hebrew. And he gave me the link to where I can find the shir. And then he asked me a few questions of things that I mentioned at the shir. I was shocked because I don't allow them to record those shirims. So somebody clandestinely stealthily recorded the shir and posted it. I don't know where. So anyway, the reason I'm telling you is because I was listening to the shir and it's extremely annoying those people that interject the retarded stupid questions and suggestions. You're welcome. You know that there's close to 3,000 people that listen to this year, download this year. Do you want me to say anything nasty about it? Anyway, Rabbi Gerari was a very special person. Although being the Rebbe's brother-in-law, whenever the Rebbe would say a maimer, he would stand. Not only when the Rebbe said a maimer, he was standing, there was a thing by the Rebbe, which was maimer ke'in sicha. I'm not even going to go into that now, because it would take the whole shir to explain. 
when the Rebbe said a Maimah without the nigging beforehand, just in the middle of a Sicha, he would also stand up when he realized that it was a Maimah that the Rebbe was saying. That was his iskashas to the Rebbe. He was so connected to the Rebbe. And we don't have to talk about Achas, the later years, how when he gave up for the Rebbe. So Rabbi Gerari is Chusayang Naleinu. Let us go turn the page to Meish Rabbeinu. Mishenichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. We spoke last week about Mishenichnas Adar, the Chedish Adar, the joyful, happy month of Adar. But we look into the history and we see the whole, the whole joyfulness and happiness took place. Story of Purim on the 13th day, the 14th day of Adar. So why does the joy begin in the beginning of other? The joy should begin on the 13th of other. But the month of other, and truthfully, if the war and the battle and the freedom only took place on the 14th of other, these first days of other are very scary, they're very sad days. The Jews were petrified these days. However, when Haman drew lots on which month he should try to destroy the Jews, the month of other came about because they said that it's the month in which Meish Rabbeinu passed away. Oblivious to the fact that Meish Rabbeinu was born on this month as well. And therefore, The birth of Meish Rabbeinu in itself, in its own right, is a simcha. The birth of Meish Rabbeinu brings two miracles. The miracle of the birth of Meish itself and the birth, miracle of the salvation of the Jews as they were led out of Mitzrayim. which is a miracle in its own right. And therefore, the birth of Meish Rabbeinu is extremely significant to us, as he may Simcha, as a day of Simcha, and happiness and joy, and which is the beginning, obviously, of the month, is the Zion, other. Um, just for the record, you were able to be Kaddish, Kaddish Levana tonight. Those have not yet done it, I mean, obviously have not done it yet, Min Chabad, is only seven days from the Melod. Um, therefore, tonight would be the first night that one could do Kiddush Levan and Mini Chabad. So, since we did do Kiddush Levan tonight, we wish everybody a good Kiddush, as we say after Kiddush Levan.
And therefore we see that the beginning of the month has begun, Dafka with Zayin Adr. By Zayin Adr being the seventh day, the first day that we can actually bench Hashkedesh, we can bench the, the, the Levana, we can do Kiddush Levana. So therefore we see that this is a, encompasses the entire beginning of the month, and therefore it's from Mishinich Nasad, that is Marvin Besimcha. As we said before, the Shabbos is Shabbos Pasha Zocher. We discussed last week the Dalit Parshias, two weeks ago. And we said that Pasha Zocher is not contingent on Pasha Shkolim, but rather Shabbos Pasha Zocher is the Shabbos before Purim. So irrelevant if Shkolim was a Shkedish or was Shabbos Mevarchim Achedish other, Zocher is not connected. Unlike Para and Chedesh, which Chedesh is the month, is the Shabbos before Para. Shabbos after Para, excuse me. Pashas Zacher. If you come to Shul, and you hear the Balkana reading Maftir, you'll hear Zohar. It almost sounds like he's announcing what Maftir is. Today's Maftir is Zohar. Who is obligated to hear Pasha Zohar? Everybody. Men, women, and children. Everyone needs to get to shul this Shabbos to hear the reading of Pasha Zacher. Interesting that there are those that have a custom after they finish reading Pasha Zacher, they bang their hands, bang their feet, stomp their feet, like by the announcement of Haman in the Megillah. When you Chabad during the Megillah even, we don't do every Haman, only when Haman has an adjective. So the Maftir is Zacher, remember what Amalek did to you. But the Haftedah is Haftedah Pasha Zacher. If the Haftedah is Haftedah Pasha Zacher, also needs to be connected to Pasha Zacher. Very rarely do I do this. Usually we talk about the Pasha. Hopefully we'll get part of the Pasha today as well. Keep your shirt on. Or actually we'll get part of the Pasha. We'll talk about keep your pants on. The Avtada of this week's Pasha, Pasha Zacher, tells us a story of Shaul HaMelech. King Shaul went to war with Amalek. The prophet at the time is Shmuel Hanavi. Shmuel Hanavi gives strict instructions to Shaul HaMelech to eradicate, to totally destroy and leave nothing over. What 
word in nothing do you have to understand? Well, Shaul comes out to battle and destroys Amalek. There was one fellow, Agag Melech Amalek, the king of Amalek, named Agag, Agog, and also the mate of Hatsein Vahabakar, the prime sheep that they had, he, let, he spared that as well. Now, just to give you a little bit of insight, Medish style, not Pshuti Shemikra, Medish tells us that the Amalekim had a lot of people that knew black magic. And what they did was, they changed themselves into sheep. See, when he came to kill the people, he only saw sheep. So he spared them, because they were zaftig, They were real good, well fed. This, however, was totally against what God wanted. He was told to destroy everything. And he returns with the sheep, and Shmuel Anavi greets him and says to him, um, What's the noise back there? Why do I hear bleeding? And he tells Shmuel about these sheep that was so phenomenal, I couldn't leave them behind. I therefore spared them. Shmuel says that was not the deal. I gave you clear instructions. Nothing was to survive. But when Hashem already heard and saw that Shaul had not destroyed these sheep. <coughs> Hashem sent Shmuel Anavi to sh- tell Shaul that he's being stripped of his malucha, of his royalty. You sinned against God, says Shmuel, and therefore the royalty is being taken from you. But Shaul cried out and said, give it to my children at least. Let my descendants carry it. To which Shmuel told him the words of God that is being totally taken from you and your family. And he was told to go to the children of Yishai to choose a new king. <coughs> Shmuel and Avi also Don't use the coarse expression of stuck his foot in his mouth. But Shmuel Navi also set himself up a little bit of a problem. The story goes in Navi where the people were looking for their flock. And they didn't know where they were. And they knew though that there was a man who was called a roya, a seer. One who saw things. 
that you and I do not see. The prophet. So they came to him and they didn't know who he was. They didn't recognize him. He didn't have a business card. He didn't have a Facebook page. And they asked him, Where is the one that sees? And his response was, I am the one that sees. To which the Almighty immediately said, You are the one that sees. I will teach you a pizza. And when Yishai was presenting his children to Shmuel Anavi, and Shmuel Anavi knew one of these boys had to be the king, he could not see it. He could not recognize the spirituality of a king on any of the children. And therefore, could not choose, did not know which one was David. And it was a specialty. When he came to Hashem, it was Mispal. I don't know which one. The Almighty says, did, did you not say you're the Roya? You're the one that sees? And now he got his punishment, his due punishment as well. Here too, Shalanovi is told that he's losing, Shalamelech is told he's losing his prophecy, he's losing his royalty, his kingdom, and it's going to Ben Yishai David. Davtada, and the reading of Pasha Zakhar are not coincidentally read before Purim, but rather have a direct connection connection to Purim. Which is obviously why we read it the Shabbos before. The simplest form that we see, Hamon Arosha, the evil in this week's part, in, in the Megillah, the one that tries to destroy the Jewish nation, the nation of Mordechai, was a direct descendant of Hagogi. And that's why this Avteda discusses the story of the Hagogi. And of course we know also that he was a direct descendant from Amalek. So therefore the Avteda and the Maftir read about Amalek and Agogi is directly connected sorry, is directly connected to Purim itself. The downfall of Haman Harasha. And we know that Haman was born only because he did not destroy Agogi. Another connection 
excuse me, so now we understand the actual connection. Haman, which is the Purim story, and the downfall of Haman, starts and comes about from the story of Shaul Amalek, read in the Haftarah. Tera is punctual. Everything in Tera has its hand and feet to it. Therefore we understand not just the general story, but every one of the, of the items of the Pratim of the story as well all have a direct connection with Purim itself. Shaul says, Hakimaisi, Hashem. I did, I stood up, I did what the Almighty wanted. I did the right thing. I brought these karbanas, I brought these sacrifices, these animals, so they should be sacrifices for God. To which Mu'al Hanavi replies, and this is an extremely important lesson to each and every one of us, It's more important to listen to Tata, to listen to Tata opinion, than to bring a sacrifice. This concept is also connected directly to Purim. If you're keeping score at home, the Gemara in Mesechtis Yuma, 22 side 2, Chav Beis Amit Beis. On the Pasuk, Ben Shona Shol B'Malchai, that Shol was king for the first year, Ben Shona. The Gemara tells us he was clean from sin, like a child of one years old. So he did not just want to go against God's word. He wasn't looking to be negligent in the commandment of God. He was a very pure fellow. So the fact that he did not obey his orders to the T was not because he was looking to do it. But he had reasoning. And the reasoning was the Tam to Kedusha. It had pure spirituality and holiness in it. He wanted to take these animals and to bring them as karbanes. And Shaul knew what a karban is all about. We do a mitzvah. We don't necessarily know the source, result, the actual existence of the mitzvah, what it does, what it's all about. 
But Shaul knew when it comes to Kabbalists, the sacrifices to God, he was taking a physical animal, and he took this physical animal, the animal instinct, which is the epitome of darkness, and you turned it over entirely to the ultimate spirituality. And within there by the darkness becomes a beautiful flame of light. So when Shaul saw the opportunity present itself, not just sheep, not just goats, but the ones belonging to Amalek, the epitome of lowness and impurity, and he could take this and sacrifice it and bring it to God to elevate it to the ultimate opposite on the pendulum. Where it's going from the lowest of low to the highest of highs. That was Saul's intentions very, very purely. What was his downfall? He used Seichel of his own to do this. He was given a mission. This mission that is being given by the prophet of the nation needs to be completed by Kabbalah's Earl. The mission that our Nasi Hadir gives us, that we need to be on the mission to bring Mashiach, needs to be the Kabbalah's El. The mission that God presents us with, on a daily basis, sometimes through trials and tribulations, we need to do relentless. I will mention my own sin of this week. Opportunity presented itself last week. I got a phone call. A couple was blessed with a baby boy. And the baby boy, obviously, a nice Yiddish gingola has to have a bris miller. But the father had done research since his older son had a bris and decided he doesn't want to do it. He wants to leave it to the child to make a decision. Excuse me. I tried to argue, and I argued a point. I opened my home to a couple I never met until that I have not met yet, and said, please, Allow me to host your bris. Allow me to host your son's bris mila. Allow me to have it in my home. I will supply the food. I will entertain your guests. I will take care of the moil. I will pay a moil. Whatever it takes, I'll do to make this bris in my house. Miraculously, they acquiesce. They agreed to do so. On Monday night, I'm sitting by a wedding talking about this bris that we're having, God willing, the next morning, the opportunity God is giving us. 
and I receive a text from the mother of the child that the father refuses, and this is final, he refuses to bring the child for a bris. I did not lay down and die, roll over. <coughs> I pursued, I could only do it through via text, because they weren't taking my phone call. Ultimately, people heard about this. The people were ready to give money. I did not want to offer everything that was offered. But I offered them $1,000. $1,000 cash I come with the mohel to do the bris, and not only will it not cost you, I will give you $1,000 cash. I guess the wife feels helpless to her husband's wishes and didn't respond. And unfortunately here I am the next day and the child, to my knowledge, still has not had a bris. This is not how we complete our mission. But reverting back to Das Teda, prior to the building of the Mishkan, prior to the service of the Mishkan, the Jews had a period known as the Shiva Simei seven days of training. The, our Pasha tells us of the commandments of this training. And it tells us that Mesha needed to educate Aaron and his children. Needed to make them Kehanim. The Pasuk says, this is chapter 29, verse 4 through 9. That commandment of Mesha, Mesha is commanded to dress the Aaron, his brother, and their children, his nephews, in the garbs of Kahuna. And then continues the posting as Aaron was born of Takrim and Pesach Aaron and his brothers should come forth to the Elmeid, to the doorway. And wash them in water, take their garments, as Aaron was like Xenus, as Mila Efeid, as Efeid, as Achashen. All the garments the King God needed to wear, the eight garments. With Samtam Mitznefes Al Reshe and put the Mitznefes on his head, the hat. Satas Nezer Akedish Al Mitznefes, the tits. And then the Pasuk continues as Bonov Takriv. And the children you should bring. Will bash them also. Gotonais, Vichigarte, some Avnate. Aaron, Bonov, Chavashavim, he voice. Every garment the Kayan wore, the four of the Kayan the headyet, the eight of the Kayan Gadol, are mentioned here barring one garment the pants. The pants are not mentioned here. The Ramban 
writes on the verse of chapter 29, verse 9, Chavtes Every garment Moshe put on them, he dressed them in them, just like God commanded, them. but the pants, a sensitive issue he did not do. Because the Kahanim needed to wear them to be modest. And therefore at this point it does not say because the pants were out of the picture. Not mentioned. And the same thing is understood from the story the Basic says when it comes to the commandment to fulfillment of this commandment, which is later in Pasha's Tzav, in Chumash Vayikra, chapter 8, verse 6 through 13. And Mesha brings them forth and dress them. And again it gives and illuminates everything. Everything but the pets. During the commandment of the seven days, and also the story of how this all took place in the end, the pants are not mentioned. When it comes to mentioning in chapter 28, verse 2, the garments, it tells us of all the garments, mentioning the pants as well. But they're mentioned separately. The Almighty commands Moshe, Make these garments for Aaron, your brother, for Kavod and Tiferes. Honor and glory. And he enumerates the, clo- the garments. And the Posse continues to enumerate how to make the garments. And it finishes with the garments of the children. What you should make and how you make it. Cover the sephoras. How you should dress them. How you should anoint them. After all said and done, the pants are mentioned. Vasalahem, Michlin, chapter 28, verse 42. Vasalahem, Michlin, But when we learned that it didn't mention about these Michlis Ebad, 
It was only mentioned after everything was done. So therefore we see that the commandment of putting on the pants was not a commandment to Mesha. All the other garments, yes, but not this. So is the opinion of the Ramban. And under the Erechayim HaKadosh writes, it would not have been honorable for Mesha to have to put them on. But let us look now at Rashi. El Bashta Mesam says Rashi Nirel Lahadya Shalei Svidalei Kedivere Ramban. I think we don't think we don't go according to the opinion of Ramban. El Bashta Mesam Arin Esam Hamurin Ba'arin. When it says dress Arin, it means everything that Arin was supposed to have. Chesh and Eifin Milks and Stajbis and Stevens. And the pants that are written later. And the same with the children. So it comes out clearly when it says, according to Rashi, it means every one of the garments, including the Mikhnasayim. Which is only mentioned in the Pasuk after. Rashi is shocking us here. He's not going according to his regular MO of Shutisha Mikra. Because the way the Pasuk is written, Mikhnasayim are not mentioned until after everything was done. So therefore we have to understand now, Rashi, how do you explain the simple explanation of the Pasuk to mean that he put on the Mikhnasayim as well? Rashi says, throughout the Shiva Simea Meluyim, the only one that was allowed to do anything was Moshe. Moshe was the only Kayin. He was the only complete Kayin. His brother and their children became Kahanim after the anointment, after he put them in place, after he dressed them and put the anointed him with the oil and everything else, then they became Kahanim. And therefore when the Apostle says, You should be the one to bring forth Arin, his children, in order to, to serve me. How was Aaron brought out? Mitech b'nei Yisrael from amongst the Jews. He was a regular like everybody else. Moshe was the one that brought forth Kahuna. And therefore when it came to the education of the Shiva Simeon he needed to do everything. Down to the wire of Rechatzim Oysam Bamayim. He had to take them to the mikveh as well. There was nothing that these Kahanim were allowed to do without Meshe Rabbeinu in control.
And therefore we need to say that Moshe, on the simple Pashat, Pshat, had to put on these pants on them as well. Because it's not possible there was one thing that he didn't do. And what the Ramban says that it was not proper, because they were only there so the person should not be walking around not sneers. He took them to the mikveh. So what's the difference? Why therefore does the tailor not mention the Mikhnasai in the pants? The only mention is an afterthought. Because the bottom line is the pants were only there so the person could walk up the ramp on the Mizbeach. Because otherwise he would be he would be Erva, he would show himself to the Mizbeach and he wasn't allowed to. So therefore it's a pool of chinuch as well. It's not, sorry, it's not fitting for the chinuch because it wasn't educating them how to become kahana, but rather to respect them as beach. And the reason that it comes the end of all the other garments, after finishing about the garments and putting it on and everything else, because all the other garments were made for glory and for beauty. And this and for this, the pants were not. Very quickly, I wanted to tell you a quick story. Amalek wanted to kill the Jews. We, the people of this generation, have now a new Amalek already, Iran and ISIS and everybody else. But the Amalek of this generation that we still feel repercussions was Hitler May his name be obliterated. There was a Jew that went through the Holocaust and saw everything happen to his family. He joined the Polish underground because he didn't have some Jewish face so they didn't recognize, realize he was Jewish, he was a good fighter so they didn't mind having him on board. And he fought and battled and fought and fought throughout the war. And when the war came to an end, he was one of the people that liberated Auschwitz. He knew his mother and sisters were taken to Auschwitz. Hope against hope, he thought maybe he could find them. He didn't. He went back and forth throughout Auschwitz and unfortunately was not married to find his children. If you find his wife, his sister, his mother, and his sisters. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> Very quickly, he came to America and he devoted himself only to work and to life of secular life. Didn't want to hear anything about Judaism. He was living in Los Angeles, California. And he couldn't live with himself, though, because he couldn't fall asleep at nights. So he'd work himself into oblivion and then he would sit in front of a TV and fall asleep there. He wakes up one night watching the TV and he sees a man, a rabbi with a white beard on the TV. And he's talking, he's talking and he's talking and he can't believe it. 
So what's this guy doing on my screen? And he tried to turn, he was going to go turn it off, he's going to change it out. It didn't go, it didn't go, it didn't go. Finally, he says, he's getting up and he's going to go turn this off, he's going to close this. And as he's about to close it, he hears the Rebbe say in Yiddish, and on the screen of the English translation, the few, a Jew, does not do what he's supposed to be doing, then he's fueling a victory for Hitler. Never said it clearly. You want to take a revenge, a Jew has to act like a Jew. And long story short, he ended up going to Chabad house and became totally from again because of this line from the Rebbe that it just caught him as he was about to cut off his TV. Next week is Purim, Tainas Sester is Wednesday. It's a day fast only. We fast in the morning till at night. During the day of Max, uh, right, excuse me, before Mincha on Tainas Esther, one should seek to give Maxa Shekel. If you give for your entire family once, you should give the rest of your years. If you don't, you give for yourself alone. It's enough. Usually what's done is they take three coins. Gabit Tzedakah has three silver coins, half dollars to which you redeem, you give them money, you lift up the coins in your hand, one, two, three, and lift them up, put them down again, repeat three times. The mitzvah yim, of course, is to hear the Megillah, and the Mishnah Leiv Tamid, to sit and to drink until Ad Yada, in Arad Haman, the Baruch Marachai, which is the eradication of evil, and the acceptance of good. Megillah needs to be heard Wednesday night, the fast ends at night, sunlight, sunfall, no nightfall, no and I don't know, if we come, we come to the party, we'll see what happens, we have a party here Wednesday night, um, might will be hopefully about 7 o'clock, a little earlier maybe, and on Thursday is Mitzvah's Purim, there's three very important mitzvahs, Mishleach Manas, Ishtarayehu, man to a man, woman to women, to give at least two foods to the fellow Jew, or Jewess, and also to hear the Megillah, of course, to eat the Siddhas Purim, and to give Tzedakah, Matanas Levyenim. Matanas Levyenim, you can give via credit card today, um, so anybody who would like to give, you can go to our PayPal account, unitedlubavitchyeshivatyahu.com, you can give your Matanas Levyenim online. Uh, if you'd like, we can send you an invoice, tell us during the course of the week, and we'll send you an invoice for whatever amount you want to give, and you will pay it with the credit card on Purim Day to be Yetzer with Matanas Levyenim. If you can find a poor person that you can hand it to, it would be even nicer. Maxa Shekel is approximately a dollar and a half. Matanas Levyenim, obviously, whatever a person can give, but one should give. And the halakha is, anyone that sticks out their hand, they should be given. And since we are sticking out our hands to the Rebbeinah and we're asking him to give us the Mashiach Tzidkenu, then the Ebishter has to follow up with Das Taylor with the Shulchan Aruch. And Shulchan Aruch Psagdin is We are sticking our hands out. You must give us, give us our Mashiach 
So this Pasha Zacher, we can not only remember the eradication of Amalek, but see it physically, with our own eyes, the destruction of Amalek, and we'll find ourselves in Yerushalayim, Yerakedesh, Shabbat Shalom.